0: Howdy. One of my favorite things about doing one service is getting everybody in the same room and watching people sit in different places. It's fun, right? You're like, you walk in and go, wait, my, my row's gone. You have to go somewhere else. It's fan-. And I'm looking for people, like, I don't know where they are, and then I see them somewhere else. It's fantastic. I, I love how God just mixes that up, right? How many of you have met somebody the last couple weeks that you were like, oh, you go to this church too, Right? We love that. Listen, we are doing a series called Born Again. This is our summer series. Um, we kicked it off last week. So let me just quickly give you a recap. Um, being born again is not religious, okay? I say that because I was, I told you last week, I was kind of born in church, not, not literally and physically, like my mom didn't, you know, but from the day I was born, I feel like I was in church, right? That's been my story. It's not everybody's story in today's culture. A lot of people don't have that story. Um, Wendy was saved at the age of 16, Had did not go to church. We have two very different backgrounds when it comes to that. But because I was raised in church, when I hear the phrase born again, I think religion, right? And And that's not always a good feeling. I think of all the, like, the angry people that screamed that phrase at me. Um, I think of the lady who waved her finger at me after she'd been making biscuits and flour was flying everywhere. And she was just angry at me for stuff I was doing. Like, that's what I think of as born again, right? But that's not what this is about. Literally, being born again means that we're born into a new kingdom, right? We were a part of the kingdom of darkness, and now we're in the kingdom of light. And so we talked last week about this is about a new way of life. Literally like, I mentioned this, if I was born, reborn into another country, right? Y'all, I was born in America, the southern part, the best part of the country except for the humidity, right? We just, just God, if you could do something about the humidity, right, then this could truly be God's country. But we're in the in-between the, in part because the humidity is crazy. But I was born here, so I talk like somebody who was born here, right? I'm not going to be a brain surgeon because you don't want your brain surgeon saying stuff like, now what we're going to do here is, right? You don't want that. I was born in the south, right? I'm proud of it. For all of its faults, this is where I am, Right? But what if I had been born in India? We talked about that last week. If I had been born, if I could stop right now and be reborn physically in another country, everything about my life would be different, right? The way I dress, the way I talk, the things that I eat. We talked about last week how chicken and rice in India, not the same thing as chicken and rice in America, Right? So when it comes to being born again, if I've been reborn into a new kingdom, y'all, with me, my life should look different because I'm in a new kingdom. I've been born again. So this summer, we're just talking about that. It's going to be a lot of just teaching, talking about how what does our new life look like, right? What does life in this new kingdom look like I hate to use words like should, because that can make you feel shamed, and that's not what this is about. But every now and then, I think we should stop and say to ourselves, what should my life look like? If Jesus truly is the lover of my soul, what we just sang about this morning, if he's my first love, then what should my life look like? My life changed drastically when Wendy Flanders came into it. Y'all were like, what's her name? Wendy, Denise, Flanders, now Jenkins. When, her, when she came into my life, y'all, it drastically changed. I did things that I never thought I would ever do. I ate boiled peanuts. <laughs> and I love them, y'all. How many of you love boiled peanuts? Okay, a handful. How many of you are more like, give me the roasted peanuts? How many of you put the roasted peanuts in a Coke or an RC Cola? Okay, I've done that too, right? I've done a lot of things, but I never had a boiled peanut until I met Wendy. And now, y'all, my life is different. I don't just eat boiled peanuts. I slurp, I slurp boiled peanuts. I slurp the juice out and everything, right? Like, I know it's gross. Little tip for y'all, by the way. If you've never had a boiled peanut, just because they're boiled doesn't mean you eat the shell. Come on, y'all. Use your brains, People are like, I don't like bull peanuts. Yeah, because you ate the bull peanut shell. Don't do that stuff, right? The point here is our lives are different. And so last week we laid, we laid a foundation, and I just want to remind you of it quickly. Okay, then we'll jump into the teaching this morning. Last week, here's the foundation. Three words. Jesus is Lord. That's what it means to be born again. People don't preach like this much anymore because they don't want to offend people. But I'm telling you. That's the faith. Jesus is Lord. Study the whole Bible. Describe Christianity in the simplest, shortest possible way. And those are the three words that you'll come up with. He is Lord. And being born again is about submitting our lives to a new king. Right? We talked about that last week. We had had a father. His name was Satan. Now we have a father. His name is God. God. Right? We had a master, it was sin, and now we have a master and he's our Savior. We had a God and it was our flesh and now we have a God and it's the Holy Spirit. Everything's different. And if everything's different and our lives aren't, then something that we think happened may not have happened. Examine yourself and make sure you're in the faith, right? Because being born again must lead to transformation because we have submitted ourselves to a new Lord. You cannot be born again and stay the same. Okay, y'all are like, I was here last week. Why are you preaching at me again? Because I'm going to preach it all summer long. Some of y'all are like, right now you're booking your Airbnb while I'm preaching. You're like, I'm going away for the whole summer. I'm going to come back when Paul's off this kick. I'm not going to be off the kick. Because this, this is the faith. This is Christianity. Every part of our life is touched by the fact that he's Lord. Or he's not Lord. A friend of mine, um, you know this friend, Renee, because he's your brother. He wrote a song, and I don't even remember this, but he wrote a song years ago, and I've never forgotten just one line. Serve him with your whole heart and not with just your mind, because he will either be Lord of all or he won't be Lord at all. That's what it means to be born again. Either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. So being born again, it's not just about being saved, it's about being submitted. So this morning, with that in mind, that was the longest recap ever, wasn't it? Let's talk about baptism. Let's talk about baptism. Let's answer this question, what's the big deal about baptism? And so I thought to kind of kick us off, um, I think this is going to work out. Uh, We got a couple of videos, just some examples of the different ways that, that you can baptize people and things that can go wrong. Baptism can uh, make for some interesting moments, can it? Um, I was I've th- thought back through um, some of the baptisms that we've had here, and you know, now that we're in this building, baptism feels a little bit more normal because we have a big tank, but when we were first starting out in the coffee shop, we had nowhere to do baptisms, and so we would go out behind the back of the coffee shop in the alleyway and, and do baptisms, and I would go to Mooney's Feed Mill up on 52, and we would borrow one of their feeding troughs. Well, it was about two feet deep at the most. And so people had to like sit in it. And then I'd had to like put them down and like really try to get their head under the water because there wasn't a lot of water, bring them back up. Um, I don't know if you know Thomas Covington. Um, he's a member here. I think I gave him a concussion doing a baptism because he was so tall and that thing was so small. And one of my favorite memories um, about baptisms here was was one day we're out back in the alleyway and we're baptizing people. It was freezing cold that day, and when I got done, you know, I just said, "Well, hey, thanks for being here." And is there anybody else? I mean, do you want to be baptized? And we had a young man that spontaneously was like, "I want to get baptized." And I, I was like, you know, when you ask the question but don't expect an answer, I was kind of flabbergasted, and I, I remember saying like. Um, we don't have any other clothes, and he was like, no problem, (laughs) and the dude, like, dropped his, his jeans, and had on boxers, and just stepped into the tank, and sat down, and I was like, (laughs) I didn't, I got in the tank with him, like, I mean, that's crazy, y'all, like, we had towels ready for him the moment he came up out of the water for sure right and sometimes when you don't know maybe even the story behind the baptism you can judge the, the last video of the man that was like doing the wwe wrestling moves as he was baptizing that's greg ford he's a assembly God pastor in the, another part of the country and he tells this story about why they did baptisms that way that day and it's because the three men that he was baptizing, they were, man, um, they had just lived hardcore for Satan. And when they were getting baptized, they told him, like, on a scale of one to 10, I want you to give me a 25. Like, I want, I, as hard as I've lived for Satan, I want to be baptized that violently for the Lord. Now, of course, it went viral, and everybody picked on him and joked about what a horrible pastor he is because he baptized that way. But what I want you to remember today is, like, the Bible doesn't specifically say clearly all the details about baptism. What the Bible does say is to, well, be baptized, right? So let's answer three questions, right? Here's the first question. Why get baptized? This is going to be the shortest answer ever because Jesus said to Right. So here's a couple verses. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 19. You've heard this as part of the Great Commission. Jesus said to his disciples, I've given, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Now, baptism doesn't save us. We'll talk about that in just in a bit. But here's, here's your big idea. Baptism is one of the first steps of obedience when we're born again. Another reason to be baptized is because Jesus was. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. Am I going too fast? Are you all okay? Okay, no response, so I guess I'm going Say that one again, Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. Jesus. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Now listen closely how this plays out. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? Verse 15. If you're highlighting the passage, it's Matthew 3, verse 15. But Jesus said it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. Let me ask you this question. And we could probably stop right here. If Jesus' response to why get baptized is we need to fulfill all that God requires, what are you waiting on? Right? Right? I think why get baptized is the wrong question. The right question is, why am I not baptized? Here's a couple reasons why. Fear. Embarrassment. Caring more about what other people think than what Jesus thinks. Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 through 33. Man, these are strong passages. Just know that when I read it to you, I'm not trying to like zing your soul. I'm reading it to you as somebody who also reads this. And I'm like, oh, God, please. Like, anyway, listen. Jesus says to people who might care more about what others think than what he thinks. Matthew 10, verse 32 and 33. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Y'all. Y'all. I want Jesus to not be ashamed to say my name before the Father, right? And so baptism is one of the ways that we acknowledge Jesus. So why get baptized? In short, because Jesus said so. What is baptism? Well, based off of those verses we just read, baptism is a public display of a personal decision. Now, I'm going to be careful that you understand the words I chose here. It's not a public display of a private decision. I'm talking to a room full of Americans, so can I just be really bold? All of us have been duped. All of us have been told that as Americans, our faith is an individual private faith. And that is not in the Bible. Find me a verse, and I'll give you the mic. in the bible it's a personal decision that's lived out in community that's christianity so every time you read a promise in the bible and think it's just for you and just for americans you have bought a lie it is about community it is we not me um, go back and find a message on our website called The Three Kingdoms. And we talked about the kingdom of me, we, and he, right? And God wants us to live in the kingdom of he. It's a public display of a personal decision. I thought about um, my wedding day. And, oh, my gosh. I mean, y'all see seen me. I've been your pastor for 10 years. You know when I get nervous, I'm going to start sweating, right? You know that's going to happen. I mean, it just it's fantastic. It's so much fun for me. I tell people all the time, and the good news is that my pores are not smaller, right? Because if my pores were smaller, I would squirt. Wouldn't that be fun? Thank you, Jesus, that when you created my body, you knew what you were doing, right? But, like, when I get nervous, I just start sweating. And it's like, you know, I, when we thought about getting married, I was so nervous. Like, oh, God, Wendy's going to be so beautiful. And I'm just going to be, like, hosed down with sweat everywhere, you know. But I stood in front of a bunch of people that day. And the great thing is, we can talk about this some other time, when Wendy walked in the back of the room and I saw her, all, the, all those people went away, right? It was, just, it was just me and Wendy. No sweat. I'm sweating now, thinking about how it is, did sweat then. It's crazy, right? But here's the point. I stood in front of a bunch of people publicly and committed my life to Wendy, and she committed her life to me. Baptism is that public display. It it makes me think about people that think marriage is just a piece of paper. We don't really need to get married to prove to the world that we love each other. It's just a piece of paper anyway. Let's just shack up. I mean, I'm trying to think how to say that graciously so I don't make people feel bad in here that might be living together. But here's the thing. If it's just a piece of paper... Why is that stopping you from getting married? It's just a piece of paper, so get married. Because it's not just a piece of paper. It's a commitment. And so when it comes to baptism, people are like, well, I don't really need to get baptized. It's just water. Well, you've missed the whole point. It's not just about getting wet. It's a commitment. If it was just about getting wet, then Jack's got baptized Friday right? Because you jumped off the cliff. I saw video evidence. I saw it. We should have brought that video. That would have been awesome. But the youth group went kayaking, and they jumped, they did cliff jumping. And so I saw a video of of Zach, Jax was jumping off, like, was it 40, 150, 20 feet? 40. It was 40. It felt like 4,000 probably, but 40 feet, y'all. And like, he jumped in. Anybody else jump in off the cliff Friday? Oh, not, not Friday, but you have jumped off a cliff. <laughs> You're like, marriage. <laughs> no, kidding. <laughs> kidding. Kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm, put that sharp object down right now. Because <laughs> he got wet, right? I mean, if it was just about getting wet, we could make baptism a lot of fun. We could just, like, get water guns. We could go in the parking lot and hose you down. It's not just about getting wet. It's a commitment. Baptism is a, is a public display about your personal commitment. That's what it's all about. We're, we're declaring who Jesus is. He's alive and he's victorious over sin, and we're declaring our commitment to live based on that reality. Jesus is alive and he's victorious over sin. And when I get baptized, what I'm saying is when I come up out of this water, I'm going to live my life in a way that reflects that my Lord is alive and victorious over sin. Which is why you don't just get wet and go back to the life that you lived before. It's a bigger deal than that. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Paul's writing about sin, and he's writing about Jesus, and he's writing about baptism. I want you to listen to how he puts these together starting in verse 1, Romans 6, verses 1 through 4. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not, Paul says. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten, this is key, that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. What Paul's saying is, in the baptism, when you go down into the water, you're, you're being buried with Jesus. Just like he was buried in the tomb. And when you come up out of the water, what do you say? So that we may also live new lives. We come up out of the water as a new creation. We're baptized into his death and we're raised up, hopefully, into new life, right? So that we can now be marked with difference in our lives. When we're born again and baptized, we reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and renew our commitment to live that out. Last question. Do I have to be baptized to be saved? Okay. I feel like this is a no-brainer answer, so I'm going to ask you to answer it for me on the count of three. Do I have to be baptized to be saved? The answer is no. One, two, three. Even when I give you the answer, this whole section is silent. <laughs> Jax, I counted on you. I, was, I, was, I believed in you. Oh, you said it? Okay, It was the people around you. Yeah. No. I want to be really, really clear. You don't have to be baptized to be saved. Okay? Do I have to be baptized to be saved? No. But you do have to be obedient to be saved. Follow me. I realize that I'm a sinner, I realize that I need a a Savior, but I'm not called, we talked about this last week, I'm not called just to have a Savior, I'm called to have a Lord, right? So I obediently receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and if He's my Lord, then answer this question for me. If I bow my knee to Jesus at salvation and receive Him as my Lord and, and vow to Follow him for the rest of my life. When I get up off this floor, having received him as my Lord, is any decision I make past that point going to be the same? No, because he's my Lord now. And so obedience is what allows me to persevere to the end. You read the Gospels, you'll see this phrase a lot. Those who persevere to the end will be saved. Right? So it's not just, hey, I got saved when I was seven, and I got wet in a tank, and I was at the gathering, so I even got out that marker and signed my name. I'm good. I mean, the gospel that I read says that that was the beginning. And now you follow through obedience the rest of your life. And He saves us so we can follow him. We're, we're obedient. So baptism is one of the first steps of obedience when we're born again. We're going to spend a whole summer talking about some other steps of obedience. I just need you to know this. It's not a step of salvation. It's a step of obedience. So people that we know were saved and weren't baptized, the thief on the cross, right, next to Jesus. Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 23 we read that story where the thief is on the cross, and he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And if I read the Bible correctly, I don't think there's any sprinkling, dunking. There's no baptistry pool there. It's just like they died, and he went to be with Jesus. So obviously, you can be saved, not baptized, and still go to heaven. I, I know, um, I mean, some of y'all are in the medical profession, so you've been with people on their deathbeds. Maybe you've witnessed a deathbed salvation, right? And there's no baptism involved when that happens. I think about people who are in, this is horrible to even think about, but like situations where they know they're going to die and have the, the grace, the gra- God gives them the grace to even have the moment to, to prepare their souls for that. Um, I hope I'm never in this situation, but like an, an airplane accident, where you know something's about to happen and you have the time to prepare. What about somebody that got saved in that moment and they can't be baptized? Of course they're going to go be with Jesus, right? They're going to be in heaven forever. The point here is that there are people who receive Christ, aren't baptized, and still are saved. You with me? Now let's get back to the real issue. And... Let's just talk about what I call the black box theory, okay? Whenever you, whenever there is uh, a plane crash, they always recover the black box, right? I'm not sure what it's called now in the digital age, but it literally used to be a black box. And it records everything that goes on in the cockpit. So all the transmission that comes back and forth from the tower to the plane, and from the pilot to the co-pilot, that's all recorded, and whenever there's an accident, that's the first thing they try to recover because that will give them clues as to what might have gone wrong. You with me? This is really important. We're, We're coming to an end. So I call it the black box theory because here's how the theory goes. In most cases, people die the way they live. I'll say that again. In most cases, people die the way they live. I always thought to myself, if you're a pilot, and you know the plane is going down. And you know that you have, I don't know, five minutes until you're going to step into eternity. I don't know what you would do, but I keep thinking to myself, like, I'd be getting saved. Right? And it, so I, th- I thought, well, every time they recover the black box, what they're going to hear is, oh, God, forgive me for my sins. God, I'm fixing to meet you, and hey, here's my co-pilot. We've been together, like, all these years. I'm telling you, we're fixing to go into eternity. I've never believed in Jesus until right now, and you should probably do it too. Can I lead you into a sinner's prayer, even though I don't know what to say? I keep thinking that's what you would hear, but you know what you hear on most black boxes? The same cussing they did the whole time they lived. Because people die the way they live. Even given the opportunity to know the end is coming. People tend to die the way they live. It's the black box theory, or so I've called it. Because living in unwillingness to bow to the Lordship of Jesus decreases the likelihood that you will change your mind in death. It doesn't mean you can't. It doesn't mean you won't. It just means that at some point we should stop kidding ourselves that we're going to live our whole life contrary to what God desires So that at the end, we can throw a Hail Mary and get saved. He will graciously save us in that way. The question is, will we actually throw the Hail Mary if we've lived our entire life contrary to what God desires? I bring that up because I think that when it comes to baptism or when we talk about community or stewardship or the Holy Spirit or whatever else we talk about this summer, all of it hinges on the foundation of being born again, right? It all hinges on this question of, is he Lord of my life? If he says do it, will I actually do it? And sometimes I think that we get comfortable saying that he has saved my soul, but I ain't doing nothing he tells me to do. Is this too hard for y'all? It's just too in your face. I don't want to be like a jerk about it. But I don't want to leave us with the comforting thought that he loves me so I can do whatever I want. Because he does love you. And if he's your Lord, you won't do whatever you want. You'll do whatever he wants. And so when he says, be baptized, we'll be like, where do I sign up? So, of course... We just have to be obedient. If Jesus says be baptized and we're unwilling, then that points to a heart that hasn't bowed to him as Lord. Interestingly enough, this morning I had a conversation with somebody who I was talking about, we're going to be talking about baptism this morning, and I was like, see, I need to get baptized. And I was kind of joking because they've been following Jesus a long time, and their response was, I've been thinking about that. Wait, what? Because their baptism so many years ago had very little to do with Jesus being Lord. It was just something you do because you're in church. That's the, that's the crux of the issue, right? A couple more hard statements and we'll wrap this up. Just like, mean, I'm not harping on this marriage thing, but I want you to get the connection. Just like a man and a woman saying that they love one another but don't need to be married devalues the covenant of marriage. A follower of Jesus who says, I love Jesus and I don't need to be baptized devalues the covenant relationship that we have with Jesus. It's a big deal, not from a religious standpoint, but from a relationship standpoint. It's not a have to, y'all. Publicly declaring our love for and commitment to Jesus through baptism is a get to. We get to do that. We get to, and y'all, if you were part of our church up there, now we get to get into warm water. Come on. The grace of God is flowing abundantly, right? Like we used to fill it up out in the back with a hose in like November, which means the water in the hose is cold too. It was terrible. Now it's warm. Yay. Now we get to do that. We get to publicly acknowledge that he's our Lord. And so if you've never taken part in that step or if you have before and today you realize that you had no idea what you were doing or you had no idea what it meant, then we're going to give you the opportunity to be baptized. Now, can we throw that that image up on the screen? It's as simple as texting this keyword to this number. There you go. So you can just leave that up there. Thank you so much. You can text the keyword baptism to that phone number, and it doesn't obligate you to be baptized, but here's why this is important. A couple things. Number one, you don't have to be baptized to join the gathering. This is not us trying to indoctrinate you into our way of doing things, right? This is simply me saying as a follower of Jesus, if you've never given God, your obedience of this next step, or if you did it so long ago and you're like, when I did it, some, I didn't know what it meant. If you feel like you need to take this step, the first step is to text that keyword so you can get signed up. I thought about filling a tank this morning and having you come up right now. But it's a big deal, y'all. It's a big deal. We want to treat it like a big deal. While that's up there and you're thinking about it, let me just um, encourage you to be obedient, right? Don't, don't talk to yourself about this like, well, I don't have to do that right now. I don't have to text that keyword. I can just talk to Paul later. Simple obedience produces supernatural outcomes. Simple obedience. I'll pull out my phone and text the keyword. That's obedience. Simple obedience produces supernatural outcome. Um, I'm, in a, I'm in a book right now called The Elements. Thank you so much for that. It comes from the Ramp Ministries, and I was reading the part about... Um, Baptism, and just listen to the, one of the testimonies that somebody wrote about. This is just from Simple Obedience. As a part of Rant Ministries, I've seen the wonderful power that comes from God's sons and daughters being baptized. During some of our summer conferences, we've seen over 800 people baptized in a day. God has done extraordinary, powerful things in the baptism waters. Gang tattoos have disappeared. Scars from cutting have vanished. We've witnessed brand new skin appearing in other physical healings where rashes and diseases immediately left. Water baptism was never meant to become merely a religious ritual. It's a a strong sign of faith, declaration, and worship where you go from the dominion of darkness to the dominion of light. Some of y'all are like, if I saw somebody get into the tub... And their rash left, I don't know if I want to get in that water. <laughs> God will protect you too, right? What I want you to see is supernatural outcomes, they, are coming, they come from simple obedience. So simple obedience. I'm going to pray over you guys, and, and we're going to hang out and eat and all that stuff. And at any point, you feel like God's saying, man, that's a step you need to take then I want you to be obedient, simply obedient. I don't want you to think through, like, wait, if I do that, people will wonder if my last if it was real, and who cares what people think, right? If you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before the Father. If you deny me before, before men, I'll deny you before the Father. It's as simple as that. It all boils down to Jesus said, hey, I got an idea. You should be baptized. And so we respond to that, right? Let's say, Father, in your name, Lord, right now, I just pray. For you to give us the boldness, Lord, to simply be obedient. We're talking about being born again, God. And it's more than just a a prayer at the altar that is just all on its own and nothing else changes. Literally, God, when we pray to be born again, the first thing you ask us to do is to get baptized. And so, God, we don't want to fail on the first step. We want to take it with confidence. We want to be obedient, God, and trust that as we do that, you will do the supernatural in our lives. When we say yes to baptism, we're really just saying yes to whatever you want to do, and we open the doors of our lives and our souls and our hearts to your supernatural power. I pray for people right now who are considering this step, God, that you would, grow inside of them in anticipation about saying yes, about getting into a tank and being buried in death with you and raised to a new life. We thank you for it, God. In your name, Jesus, amen.